Good morning, Grace Church. So good to see all of you. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor here. I'm really excited uh, to continue in our, our teaching series right now called How Did We Get Here? How did we get here? Has this series been helpful for anyone? We hope it's encouraged you. We hope it's challenged you. Um, it's definitely challenged me, and I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to conclude this series, actually, um, this upcoming weekend at our Easter gatherings, uh, Saturday night, 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 8 a.m., 9.20, 10.40, and 12 p.m. Okay, those are our Easter gatherings. So make sure you grab a few invite cards, bring a few friends with you, like Dan was saying, a, a family member or a couple friends from work or a neighbor. It's going to be a really incredible time. We're excited. Make sure you get here if you're coming. By the way, just a little aside, if you are coming to the 9.20 or the 10.40, get here early. Okay, those services are going to be packed. At least that's what we anticipate. But anyway, in this series, we've explored the brokenness that we see around us. And we've turned the mirror and we've looked at the brokenness that we see in us, whether it's losing our temper with our spouse or our kids. Maybe it's lying to a close friend or being unwilling to forgive someone in our life. That's the personal, right? And then we've looked at, we've zoomed out and we've looked at our world where we see war and pain and hunger and famine and racism and injustice all over our world. And even this past week, all of us, even though we don't live there, we were forced to grapple with the brokenness around us with what happened at Covenant Christian School in Nashville. It's there. We are living in a hurting and broken world. And it feels like each week, something reminds us of that to a new degree. And it's in those moments where like what we went through this past week, it's in those moments where we look around and we say, how did we get here? How did we end up in this place? And the Bible actually gives us some answers to this. The Bible actually helps us better understand the brokenness around us and in us. In the first week, we looked at how the Bible, all throughout it, we see this word called sin. It's over and over and over again. And the Hebrew word katah literally means to miss the goal or miss the mark. And the mark, as Jesus explains to us, is to love God and love others. And every single one of us, myself included, we miss that mark every single day. And yet Titus chapter three tells us that despite that, despite the fact that we miss that mark of loving God and loving others with our heart and mind and soul and strength, all of it, despite that, Jesus still gave up everything to save us. And then last week, we looked at another word the Bible uses called transgression. Not a word we use very often. Transgression can be boiled down into essentially betraying a relationship or breaking trust with someone we know. And yet, despite all of the times that we betray God or break trust with others, Jesus came to provide a way for those relationships, that relationship that we have with God and that relationship that we have with others to be restored. So when it comes to transgression, Transgression is a communal thing. It's something I do to you or you do to me. That's what transgression is. There has to be someone else involved. Our word today is a little more personal. 
Our word today is something that is between you and God. And that word is iniquity. Iniquity, we see that word in the Bible to help us better understand the brokenness around us and in us. And March 28th, 1979, uh, there was a sightseeing flight that crashed into a mountain in Antarctica. Has anybody ever been to Antarctica? Anybody? Oh my gosh, I was going to be so excited. I would have had so many questions for you. I've always wanted to go there. But there was this, this sightseeing flight in Antarctica that crashed into a mountain and it actually ended up killing all 279 people on board. And this became known as the Mount Erebus disaster. Now, there was a massive investigation into what could have caused such a terrible accident because when they looked at the flight, it was actually two very well-seasoned pilots and the sightseeing flight that they were on, it was, it was routine. It was something that they did pretty frequently. And so there was a lot of questions and speculation around what could have caused this crash and disaster to happen. Well, after time in the investigation, they determined that the crew, the pilots, had not been informed of a two-degree correction that was made to the plane's flight path the night before. We actually have a, a picture of this. And so instead of flying through the McMurdo Sound, the plane flew into Mount Erebus. Two, two degrees. Two degrees, that was it. That led to 279 people dying. Now, there's a author, writer, his name's Jeff Hayden. He uh, writes for Inc.com. Um, and he wrote this article called The One in 60 Rule. The One in 60 Rule. And he wrote it actually based on this disaster, the, the Mount Erebus disaster. This is what Jeff Hayden said. The One in 60 Rule. Two degrees doesn't sound like a lot, but in aviation terms, even one degree is huge. That's why pilots are taught the one in 60 rule that states after 60 miles, after 60 miles, a one degree error in heading will result in straying off course by one mile. So after 60 miles, a one, one degree miscalculation ends up you being off course by one mile, which means the lake that you plan to fly over could turn out to be a mountain. It's just a slight degree off course that could have disastrous consequences, and that's what iniquity is in the Bible. That's what iniquity is in the Bible. Iniquity is crooked behavior. It's behavior that may have started straight, but after a one degree turn here and a one degree turn there, you are more off track than ever. The Hebrew word for iniquity is avon, which means guilt or wickedness. And it's, it's actually used all throughout the Bible interchangeably with the verb of that, which is ava, which means bent or crooked. And it's not always just talking about like sin or iniquity. In fact, in Psalm chapter 38, verse six, the author's talking about how his back is avad, right? That's me before I go to the chiropractor. Like I walk into the chiropractor and my back is avad. It's bent, it's crooked, it's out of place. 
Or Lamentations 3 talks about a road that is Avad. It could be like South Street in Bridgewater. It's twists and it's turns and there's stop signs where they shouldn't be, in my opinion, and there's yields and there's trees and it's South Street. It's bent. But it's also our morals. It's bending the truth. Before we go any further, hey, can you guys do me a quick favor? I still see families coming in. Can we squeeze in? If there is a seat next to you, just squeeze in so we have space for everybody. Thank you so much. We want to make sure we have space for everyone here. I feel like I just called like a timeout or something. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So, it's also our morals. It's not just our back before we go to the chiropractor. It's not just South Street and Bridgewater. It can be our morals as well. Those moments where we say, you know, I'm going to share with you it's mostly the truth. I'll leave a couple things out, but here's mostly the truth. It's those moments where we're alone online and no one else can see what we're doing. It's those disappearing Instagram DMs. It's the moments when no one sees us fudge the numbers on a spreadsheet just a little bit, or maybe fudge the numbers on our time card just a little bit. Iniquity or avone is crooked behavior that may have started one degree off course, but if we're not careful, it can lead us to disaster. And what started small grew and grew and grew. And eventually, before we know it, that one small choice in a different direction, it's now our new reality. And so when we ask this question, how did we get here? Iniquity is often at the root. When we ask the question, how did we get here? Looking at the brokenness around us, more often than not, if we go to the root, of the matter. Iniquity is what we'll find. While transgression may be felt by someone else, like last week we talked about you catching someone in a lie or you finding out maybe your spouse is cheating or you learn that a friend has been gossiping about you behind your back. Those are all things that we feel and experience with someone else. It's communal. What's so dangerous about iniquity is that it's something that no one else may know except for you and God. That's it. Oftentimes it's the very thing. Iniquity is the very thing that actually leads us to transgress. It leads us to the place where we hurt someone around us. It's crooked behavior that leads to a broken relationship. It's the one degree change, just a tiny choice that can lead us to brokenness and hurt. And here's, I want to to illustrate this for you guys with maybe something we can all relate to, right? So we've all had the moment where we're walking down the street or we're in a store, we're in market basket or whatever. We have a drink, cup of coffee, Dunkin' or, you know, bottle of water, or we finish our Celsius, right? We walk past the trash can and what do we do? We take that can, that bottle, that whatever. We, if you're anything like me, you shoot it like a step back jumper in the NBA, right? Now, here's the thing. What do we do when we miss? We've all had this moment. 
we had that gum wrapper that we threw at the trash can and it missed. And in that moment, what do we do? I had a lady come up to me after the last service. She goes, Brandon, it's also like the shopping carts at Market Basket. Like, do you take the shopping cart and you pump it up onto the curb or do you put it back where they go? What do you do in this moment? Do we walk over? We pick up the trash and we put it where it goes? Or do we look around and say, no one saw. Thank God. No one saw me miss that step back jumper. I'm just going to leave it. Gasp. Oh my gosh. I'm going to guess that person never left trash on the street. A gasp. It's those moments where I know what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to pick up this trash and throw it in the trash can. I know what's right, but it's those moments where we say, I'm just going to leave it. That's what iniquity is. That's what iniquity is. Nobody saw. I'm just going to leave the trash. I'm just going to leave the shopping cart up here on the island. In the book of James uh, chapter four, James, half-brother of Jesus, he writes this book and he gives a warning about boasting and self-confidence or future plans. And now he comes, James chapter four, he's coming to the end of his book and he, he closes this chapter with some really stern words. James chapter four, verse 17, he says, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What James is describing here in verse 17 is avone. It's iniquity. It's that moment when you know you should pick up the trash, but you don't. It's that moment when you know you're telling only a piece of the truth. It's that moment when you feel you're walking through a lobby or down the street or at work and you feel God prompt you to stop and pray for the person across from you. And you say, I got it. I'm good. I know that's what you're telling me to do, but nobody knows that. So we're just going to leave it alone. Every human being, we are all faced with these moments. In fact, even the man that in the Bible is described as a man after God's own heart was faced with these moments. This one degree, 2 Samuel chapter 3, we learn that David, King David, David liked women. Okay, now listen, David liked women. In fact, he liked them so much, he was willing to disobey God and take multiple wives for himself. Now, David also still wrote the Psalms. He still loved God. He still went to the temple to pray. But in one area of his life, he said, just one degree here. Just one degree. Just, God, I'll give you all this. Just one thing for me. And now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And this is what we see. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up. We'll be here for the next five, six minutes. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. This is what it says. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab 
and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, listen to this next part. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. When kings normally go out to war, David stayed home. One degree. One degree. Nothing sinful is staying home, but David said, I'm going to stay home. One degree. Second Samuel 11, verse 2. He says this, Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And I want to pause there. So not only did David not go to war, David is now napping. He's not strategizing. He's not, you know, God, I'm not going to go to war, but I'm going to spend extra time in the temple in prayer and worship. No, no, no. David is taking a nap. Now, is there anything sinful about a nap? No, naps are holy, right? We all know this. Naps are holy. Nothing sinful with what David's doing, but where was he supposed to be? At war, one degree. Second Samuel 11, we continue in verse two to four. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And he sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of David's best friends. Then David sent messengers to her. And when she came to the palace, and I want to pause right there. Was the iniquity accidentally seeing a woman bathing on top of a rooftop? No. The iniquity, the one degree was when David didn't stop looking. And then he told his men, go, go find out who she is. Let's have her over for dinner. And before David knew it, his plane, that was just one degree off course, was a mile off the correct path and heading for destruction. Second Samuel 11, verse 4, this is what happened next. When she came to the palace, he slept with her. When she came to the palace, he slept with her. And from that tiny moment of iniquity came nuclear fallout within his family. The murder of Uriah, one of his best friends, civil war with his son, his very son that he was in war with, being murdered, hanging in a tree, the loss of a baby, utter and complete destruction in his life. And it all started with what? One degree. Just a, just a little bend in the road, just a tiny bit crooked, just a little bit of iniquity. And before we know it, we wake up and we are completely off track. No one just wakes up and says, you know what? I think this morning, what is it? Sunday, April 2nd, I'm going to cheat on my wife today. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what? I think I'm just going to betray my best friend today. You know what? I think I'm just going to steal from my company today. You know what? I think I'm going to start a destructive rumor in the church today just for fun. I think I'm just going to be an alcoholic today. Nobody wakes up and says that. What happens is these things are a result of one degree decisions that you may have made over the last week or month or year. And before you know it, you wake up and you've got no one to blame with where you are than yourself. 
And truthfully, it doesn't surprise me that we're prone to make these decisions and give in to temptation. Those moments where we say, well, no one will know. It doesn't surprise me. In fact, Jesus warns us that it's not an easy road following him. He warns us that it's, it's actually easier to just give in to the temptation. Matthew chapter seven, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. It's much easier. It's much easier to just follow the road that bends a little bit. It's much easier to just go with the flow. It's much easier to to just bend on this one thing because what's the harm? And that's why Jesus says, listen, the road I am asking you to stay on, it's tough, it's straight, and it's narrow. And to do this, to really follow after me, to stay on that straight and narrow path is going to be hard and it's going to require something. It's going to require the opposite of iniquity, which is integrity. The opposite of iniquity is integrity. Now, what is integrity? I think this is a word that we, you know, hear pretty frequently. We throw it out, but it's one of those words where like, if someone were to ask you what it is, you're like, I don't really know. So there, there, here's, I want to give you a few definitions of integrity. C.S. Lewis said, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. That's integrity. Saying, I missed the trash can, nobody saw, I'm going to pick up the trash anyway. So C.S. Lewis said, then Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose Driven Life said, integrity is built by defeating the temptation to be dishonest. How do we build integrity in our life? We defeat the temptation to be dishonest. And then Billy Graham, the late, great Billy Graham, with perhaps my favorite definition on integrity, said this. Integrity means that if our private life was suddenly exposed, we'd have no reason to be ashamed or embarrassed. Integrity means our outward life is consistent with our inner convictions. Our outward life is consistent with our inner convictions. And then James 4.17, this is how James describes integrity. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. James tells us that integrity is to do what is right when we know what is right, even when no one is watching. And would you say right now, your life is full of integrity? That is a reflective question I want you to ask this morning. Would you say your life right now is full of integrity? I love that Billy Graham quote. If your private life was suddenly exposed, what would people see? If your phone conversations were revealed, what would people see? What would people see if what you thought about others was suddenly exposed above your head in thought bubbles. What would, I heard no boy over here. What would people see? What would people hear if all of a sudden what was inside 
was exposed. It's kind of like that movie Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. You guys ever seen that movie? Jim Carrey, his character in the movie is just, he lies to everyone. He lies to his kid, lies to his wife, lies to um, his job. He, he, he's a liar. And what does his kid wish for? I wish my dad would just tell the truth. And from that moment on, Jim Carrey, for the rest of the movie, can only say to people what he's actually thinking. And we learn real quick that he was not full of integrity. What would happen if that happened to you today? What would people see? Integrity is what keeps us moving in the direction that those that have chosen to follow Jesus, it keeps us moving in the direction that he wants us to move. It keeps us moving on the straight and narrow, even when no one's watching, even when no one's there to applaud us, even when no one's there to give us a gold star, we say, because Jesus told me to go this direction, I'm going to go this direction. Now, here's the thing, and this is so important to remember. Integrity doesn't remove us from facing temptation, but it gives us a guiding light when we do. You're still gonna face temptation. It doesn't matter how much integrity you have. You're going to face temptation. And the ultimate example of this was Jesus. In fact, in Hebrews chapter four, it actually tells us that Jesus was tempted just as we are. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, the high priest, this high priest talking about Jesus of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do. Here's the difference between him and I. He didn't sin. He didn't say one degree. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When we are faced with that temptation, when we are faced to just say one degree this way, in that moment, we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We know that Jesus was tempted three times by Satan, in the desert to take an easier route. We know that there was a moment in the garden before he was arrested where he asked his father, if there is any other way, please show me. We know that while Jesus was fully God in the flesh, he was also fully human. And because of that, he understands our weaknesses. He understands all of the moments that we are tempted to avone or stray just one degree. But here's the difference. Jesus never did. Not one degree. If there is another way, please show it to me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In fact, not only did he never sin, not only did he never succumb to iniquity, Isaiah, the prophet, tells us that he was actually crushed by ours. And I want to read this from the ESV version because I, I love how it translates Isaiah 53 verses four to six. It says this, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read that again because I think there are moments where we miss what is really being said in God's word. These are verses. This was a prophecy over who Jesus was and who Jesus is. I want you to catch this morning. I want you to replace these words and say, this was me. He did this for me. Isaiah 53, 4 and 6. Surely he has borne my grief and carried my sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed from my iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. I am healed. Like sheep, I've gone astray. I've turned to my own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So why did Jesus die? Why was he crushed? Why was he beaten? Why was he chastised? Why would he do those things? He did those things for us. Because all of us have gone astray. How did we end up astray? One degree here. One degree there. And before we knew it, we were astray. That one degree turned into a chasm that you and I couldn't get back from. It created a chasm, a separation between us and God. And it led to us being separated from him. And so what did God do? He sent Jesus to be the bridge that reconnects us back to God. If we choose to follow him, that's why he came. By his wounds, we are healed. Through the iniquities and chastisement that was laid on him, you and I now have peace. He took what you and I deserved, he put it on his shoulders, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, he said, I'm now here to offer you new life. Not your old life, plus what I'm offering you. He's saying, leave that behind. Don't bring any of it with you. You don't need to carry it anymore. I don't care who people told you you were. I don't care who you were at one time in your life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you are now. Leave it all behind. I will give you a new life if you will choose to follow me. Transform you into a new creation. So today we're going to end our services just a little bit differently. First, if there are those of you in this room and you have not chosen, you haven't chosen to follow Jesus, to surrender your life to him. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. It does not matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. 
It doesn't matter where you are now. I don't care if it's your first time in church. If you have not chosen to follow Jesus this morning, and you look up and you look at your life right now and you say, man, there's a chasm between me and God. I want you to hear that you can have a relationship with God that's restored again, and all you have to do is surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus and walk across that bridge and give him everything. And when you do, the Bible promises new life. It promises love and joy and peace. So maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Some of you, maybe this morning, you've drifted one degree off course and no one knows. No one knows. Because you, get up, you put on a good face. You come to church. Maybe you even serve on a team here at church. And no one knows that four months ago you made a one degree shift. And now today you realize, man, I'm off track. James chapter 6, verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Because by his wounds, we are healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and does what? It produces wonderful results. And so I'm going to challenge you, if that's you this morning, and no one knows that there's this iniquity, this one degree shift that has left you in this place where you are feeling broken or hurting or lost. I'm going to challenge you this morning to tell somebody about it, to confess it. Because the Bible promises us when we confess, when we repent and say, I got to get my life back on track, it produces wonderful results and you will find forgiveness every single time. Now, lastly, something we don't do very often at Grace Church, we're actually going to end our service today with communion. Now, why would we do that? Well, because Jesus told us that as often as we do it, to think of his body being broken and his blood being poured out for us because of his love. And today in Isaiah chapter 53, we read about how he was pierced for our transgressions, how he was crushed for our iniquities. Jesus bore our griefs. He carried our shame. He was wounded. And through those wounds, we find healing. And so, Today, to remember all that he's done for us and to give him thanks for it, we're going to end this service by doing this in remembrance of him.